Your insurance needs are as unique as the work you do and the industry you're in. Having the right protection in place is just the start. There's so much you can do to mitigate risks to your business for today and as you grow. At Sovereign Insurance, we're here to help with valuable information, insights, tips, and tools to help you protect your operations. Visit SovereignInsurance.ca to learn more. Welcome to the Startup Canada podcast, a weekly show serving Canada's entrepreneurship community. I'm your host, Rick Spence, business journalist, editor, public speaker, and entrepreneur. After 15 years as the national entrepreneurship columnist at the National Post, and as the former editor and publisher of Profit, the magazine for Canadian entrepreneurs, I've learned what makes Canadian startups special, scalable, and successful. On this show, we connect you with Canada's most innovative and entrepreneurial leaders and changemakers. You'll meet the people driving the entrepreneurial movement, and we'll share their first-person adventures and their tips, hacks, and best advice for running startup and growth companies. The Startup Canada podcast is a production of Startup Canada, the national rallying community for Canada's 3.5 million entrepreneurs. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you listen to your podcasts. To entrepreneurs everywhere, this is your show. Ladies and gentlemen, entrepreneurs from coast to coast to coast, welcome to the Startup Canada podcast. During the month of March, in celebration of International Women's Day, Startup Canada, startup communities, leading women entrepreneurs, government and industry partners are coming together to celebrate the contributions and achievements of women entrepreneurs to the Canadian economy. This month in the Startup Canada podcast, join us as we chat with women founders and support organizations who are choosing to challenge the status quo to build a more gender-balanced world to accelerate gender parity and unleash the economic potential of women. Today in the show, we're thrilled to have Katora Osinde. When Katora was just a kid in high school, the last thing she thought she wanted to take on was entrepreneurship. In fact, she wanted to be an orthodontist, so we're going to talk about that. Fast forward a few years later, and Katora was applying for her undergraduate degree at the University of Toronto, thankfully realizing that her passion was really with justice, writing, creativity, and development of the city through technological means. Katora is currently a fourth-year student at the University of Toronto. She's double majoring in ethics, society, and law, and urban studies, with a minor in women's gender studies. Boy, I wish university was like that when I was a kid. She created, she created her startup, Fitted Fast, out of her love for technology in the city. In the era of social distancing and COVID-19, local business closures were becoming more common within the city of Toronto. When Katora recognized these trends, she created Fitted Fast to bridge the gap between online and in-store shopping with hopes of leveling the playing field for local companies, local businesses, and helping them compete with giants such as Amazon. Katora, welcome to the show. Hello. Hi, Rick. Thank you so much for having me today. Thank you for being here. Uh, very excited about talking to you about Fitted Fast and local economies and empowerment and all these things. But first of all, we like to tell our listeners what they're in for by giving them a sneak preview of some of the things we hope they're going to take away from, the, from this podcast. So what are the top pieces of advice that you hope entrepreneurs will take away from our conversation today? 
Uh, well, definitely three things. So one of the top things is, um, you know, staying true to your vision and being persistent with your efforts. Uh, I think a lot of us, we stop three feet from gold and we give up before our true abundance is actually realized. Uh, so being persistent in your efforts uh, is truly what creates success in whatever you're trying to do. Another thing is uh, you want to do the things you fear. So a book that I read called The Gift of Fear, uh, it actually talks about how fear is an extremely vi uh, valuable biological uh, mechanism that actually pushes us to act. So um, I've, I've been adopting this new mindset where whenever I feel fear about one of my goals, I automatically tell myself, that's what you have to do, right? So you use your fears, your body and mind saying, act now, do it. Uh, and then the final thing is definitely uh, just you, you got to choose to be the person that makes things happen, right? So back in my orientation day uh, for the first day of grade nine in Sarnia, Ontario, I remember a teacher had vividly said to us, uh, there's three types of people in the world. There's ones that make it happen the ones who saw it happen, and then the ones that are asking what in the world just happened, right? So you really want to be the person that, um, you know, makes it happen and you, you want to choose to and um, make things happen in your own life and continue to use that kind of force to push yourself forward. Just choosing to, the per to be the person that leads the pack really separates you from the rest. Holy cow. I think we've just done the whole <laughs> podcast. <laughs> That was the best. That was the best two minutes of uh, of any podcast ever. I think that was, oh, that was amazing. The gift of fear. Just tell me yes. a little bit about that. So the gift of fear was. I don't, actually I don't know that book. It's. Uh, I, I think I should. Yeah, it's a great book. It was actually written by, I think it was Gavin something. So he talks about how, you know, fear, a lot of people fear fear, right? So when we feel in our intuition, like something might be wrong, we ignore it as opposed to uh, recognizing that it's something that's pushing us to act. Like, for example, if you're afraid of dogs, all of a sudden you see a dog coming towards you and your stomach, you feel like, oh my gosh, like something is wrong here. Something triggers you to act. Something triggers you to run. So uh, actually um, harnessing fear and using it as you know, a positive thing and not seeing, not using it as something that's negative and something you're trying to run away from, but something you should face and, you know, look at straight in the eye and, you know, attack. So that is the gift of fear. <laughs> Fantastic. And through the gift of Google, I found that the gift of fear was written by a person called Gavin DeBecker. So Excellent. That's the one. Def the definitely one. <laughs> worth reading up to. I've talked to lots of entrepreneurs, but I don't think I've talked to many people who aspired to be orthodontists first. So tell me a little bit about your path towards entrepreneurship. Yeah, so um, orthodont like orthodontics and, and dentistry was definitely a childhood dream of mine. Um, I knew I wanted to be somewhere either in the medical field of some sort, but I knew I didn't like too much blood. So I'm like, okay, dentistry, there's not too much blood. I'm not dealing with open wounds. That sounds perfect for me. But at this point, I hadn't really developed my, my real talents and really what I liked. So I was just kind of going with, you know, what sounds the best to do, you know, what would make my parents the proudest kind of thing. Being an immigrant, you know, you always want to, you know, shoot for the moon. You, you want to make sure your parents are seeing you do things and they're happy with what you're doing. So definitely that's what kind of pushed me into that direction. But I realized in my final year of high school that I wasn't really passionate about me uh, medicine and, you know, dentistry. I was actually passionate with writing and with justice and with law and with, um, you know, figuring out how the city works and the people that are in it and what makes a city a city and what makes, um, you know, what makes us develop the things that are within a city and what makes us create the technology that kind of helps the city move forward. So those are the things I realized I was good at. Those were your interests. Did you have any okay. idea that that would create a career path for you? 
Absolutely not. Definitely not. Uh, fit and fast was actually created. It actually came to mind out of out of an idea of convenience. So I was in the middle of midterm season. Um, I had an all white. I had an all white charity that I had to go to. It was actually in February. It was a Valentine's Day themed kind of event. So it was cold outside. I had assignments piled up, and I knew I couldn't make it into any stores uh, in time because the event was in two days. So uh, I wondered why wasn't there an app that you know you know we could order an outfit online from your favorite local business and you know have it delivered to you like your dinner from uber eats so then it came to me like literally like a eureka moment and um, from that point on i was obsessed with this elaborate concept of an uber eats for clothes in toronto um, however today i think fitted fast takes on completely different meaning for me uh, especially during the era of the pandemic uh, so my mission definitely changed from wanting to provide convenience for uh, for customers and businesses um you know sorry my mission changed from wanting to provide convenience uh, to a shift of wanting to pro provide support for customers and, and businesses in the in the city. So uh, that's when the true force of Fitted Fast cemented itself. And um, it had a purpose that was greater for me. So at first, uh, be, so so before COVID, you mm -hmm. looked at it as, as, a, as a convenience, but now you're kind of a lifeline. Yes, exactly. So uh, Fitted Fast is essentially like an online marketplace in Toronto where local businesses can list their stores and, and citizens around the city can support them by browsing and purchasing their products with guaranteed fast delivery, which is you know another aspect of convenience there. So it's rooted in the idea of when we support and invest in our local businesses by you know shopping their merchandise online, uh, we actually invest, we actually end up investing in our local streets, our playgrounds, our hospitals, our schools, and all the things that make the city great and you know, all the lovely things we grow to and love to we've, we've grown to love in the city. So let's take back our power from Amazon and, you know, let's put it back into our own homes. I like the way, the, like the way you said that uh, the things we love to grow and grow to love because yes. we need our cities to grow. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of concern about big retail sucking the life out of uh, out of neighborhoods and communities. Uh, so 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 I think it was. Uh, a stumble on your part, but I, but but work on it because I really mm -hmm. like that. <laughs> Excellent, yeah. <laughs> so, um, tell me a little bit about the mechanics behind uh, Fitted Fast because delivery, of course, is a problem that a lot of people uh, struggle with. So, so, yeah. so, 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 what's the solution that you found to get fast, convenient local delivery? Well, since everything is found locally here in the city, it's it's a lot cheaper to operate. Um, a lot of the problem um, businesses have is the last mile issue. So that's the most expensive part about shipping. So uh, fitted fast, since everything is local, your whole kind of operation is, you know, within a bubble. So you're not dealing with, you know, outside shipping, outside this, you're shipping it there. Everything is within a bubble where the customer and the business are, you know, generally nearby. So it's, it's definitely an easy fix where I can go pick up a delivery from, you know, a business and the same day I can drop it off simply just because they're in the same area, their proximity is close, and it's, it's very convenient, really. When you shop local, it's extremely convenient. And uh, how local are you? What is, what, what is your trading area right now at Fitted Fast? City of Toronto. So the whole city of Toronto. So that's the whole city up to mm -hmm. Steeles and the top of North York and the top of Scarborough and the Rouge River. Not Scarborough. I haven't been to Steeles yet, but a lot <laughs> of our orders have definitely been in more of the downtown core area. But, you know, as we expand, we're finding, you know, 
orders in the randomest of places that I've never been before personally. I'm just like, oh, this is a new part of town I've never been in. Uh, but definitely most of our orders up until this point have been uh, in the downtown region. But while we expand, we definitely want to reach those Scarboroughs, those Markhams. I had an order or two in, in, in Scarborough, but uh, for the most part, it's definitely in Toronto, but we definitely want to expand later on to those, you know, more of the outskirts cities of, of Toronto. Right. What What do you see as the timing of expansion? How soon can someone in Markham order something from someone in downtown Toronto and get it within a couple of days? Oh, man, we want to say within the next like three months, definitely. Like we definitely want to quickly, we're, we're, we're more, in, we're, we're actually a little bit in Scarborough. You know, I have a friend over there that, you know, takes it, takes them there when, you know, I have a favor like, oh my God, there's someone in Scarborough. I know I don't deliver there, but you know, I'd like to fulfill this order for this customer. Uh, so I do have someone in that area that would do it, but um, definitely in the next three months, we want to have someone that's there hundred percent of the time you know, knows the routes, knows this, knows that, and just someone that can take care of that whole area for us. So definitely three months. This is probably dr drilling down too deep, but, I, but I, mm -hmm. I'm just curious. I mean, I find that I love driving around the city at night uh, because you can get places during, uh, you can drive at speed, at the speed limit, wherever you're going, right. and you can mm -hmm. get there faster. Uh, do you, is that part of your solution or are you trying to deliver like during the worst times of day and encountering traffic? A lot of the time, uh, my deliveries would be after 6 p.m., like when I'm done my schoolwork, um, when I've wrapped up for the day. Um, so it's it's definitely in the nighttime. I'd find I find a lot of the time, which does tend to, you know, it, it's it's a lot faster than trying to travel the city throughout the day. Like one kilometer will take you like 15 minutes on a good day <laughs> during the rush hours. So definitely uh, keeping it after 6 p.m. has worked for me, but that's only because I'm one person doing it. Uh, when I, when we get more drivers, I think you know we'll have the capacity to you know send drivers out for you know during the more busier times of the day, and we'll be okay because we have others that can take. Um, products, the other deliveries, other elsewhere. Rather. Right. Tell me a little bit about uh, your clients or suppliers. Mm -hmm. well, I'm not sure what your language is. The, the retailers that you're working with. Um, what what the, what kinds of uh, of of businesses are they in, and how are they doing here in what we hope is the later stage of the pandemic? Oh, our businesses in, in Toronto have really taken a hit. I'm not even going to lie to you. Um, it's, 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 re it's really been a struggle for a lot of them, but I think a lot of them have been very um, resilient in their efforts because they've totally shifted to the online platform. Um, I think even before COVID, people were, were quite familiar with online shopping and all that stuff. So it's not a shock, but it's definitely an adjustment, right? So if stores going for most of their you know revenue coming from their in-store traffic, to all of a sudden having no traffic and having to, you know, start learning how to market yourself online and how to make yourself stand out. So that's the problem that a lot of our merchants were encountering. It's not that, you know, they, it, it's, it's, it's just a lack of eyes on them now, you know, and when you're in a brick and mortar setting, you know, everybody can see you when they drive by, but when you're on the internet, you're a small fish in a massive, massive, massive pond that continues to grow by the day. So definitely getting people to know that they're out there uh, was a struggle that a lot of our merchants are experiencing right now, and it's affecting their sales. Right. Um, mm -hmm. I would think that an opportunity that you have, and I'm not sure if it's mm -hmm. an opportunity or if it's just a, a costly distraction, mm -hmm. would be to help advise entrepreneurs and help them help these small retailers maybe share some some ideas or platforms or or, or concepts that 
they've developed. Are, is, <laughs> is there anything, are, are you growing growing the community like that in any way? Yeah, absolutely. So one cool thing about Fitted Fast is we also include uh, promotion and we don't like to call it marketing because it's more so promotion on our platforms and letting people know that these businesses are out there. So we actually created um, a blog called Teo Local. So this blog, we've interviewed various different businesses um, you know, clothing, shoes, watches, things like that, where uh, they talk about their brand. So Teal Local, it gives them a chance to discuss who they are, give the, give the business a face uh, behind their brand, tell us the mission, tell us your story, how have you been faring uh, during COVID-19? So it gives them a chance to kind of connect to the customer more because the customer can go and read their profiles and read these blog articles that we've written for them and get a sense of who they're dealing with. And that's a huge thing for, you know, local shopping is customers Customers want to know who they're buying from and customers love to see a face behind the brand. So kind of offering that opportunity for them to showcase themselves and also sharing them on our social medias um, and just all that kind of support that we can do on our ends here. Fitted Fast does it for their merchants. So Fridays we have Fitted Fast, uh, Fitted Fast Friends Friday. So that's when we kind of showcase our merchants. We talk about what they're doing, so on and so forth. Cool. And are you finding that the independent retailers are open to sort of working with you and learning and changing their ways? Because I haven't always found that in the past, but I think maybe COVID is a catalyst. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, right now, I like to think of our, our minds as kind of like fresh babies. Like babies, they have their, their, you can put any kind of imprint in their mind and, you know, they'll run with it. So right now, people are in a state where they're willing to try new things that they might have not tried before. Like if I walked in and to a local business two years from now and asked them to sign up for this platform, they'll be like, eh, I think I'm good. But right now, now that they kind of need support and they're looking for new ways and different ways to reach their customers from home, uh, they're willing to sign up, they're willing to join on and kind of uh, join the social, uh, the shop local movement that's very popular right now and it's very current right now in Toronto. So I think the um, acceptance rate is a lot is a lot better just simply off the fact that we're in a time where people are willing to try new things. Right. Speaking of shopping lo locally, you've recently tried to, I guess, quantify the impact of shopping locally. And I saw some reference to the fact that uh, for every $100 spent, Fitted Fast returns $68 into their community as opposed to the more typical retail sale of about 40 bucks. Can you explain the math and, and what, 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 what lies behind it? Yeah, I think that there might have been a, just a small misunderstanding there in the phrasing of, um, of, of what I might have said there. So it's meant to explain that whenever we spend $100 locally, $68 of that will go back into the city. So it doesn't matter if it's fitted fast. It doesn't matter what platform you do if you go in store. So $100 in general, $68 will go back into the communities, just simply off the fact that these stores are found in proximity to where you live. So their taxes ultimately pay for their roads, the playgrounds, again, the hospitals, the things we all love. But when we shop internationally from, uh, you know, stores like Amazon or uh, large conglomerates like that, you know, our communities get close to nothing. So just by merit that you're shopping directly in your community, uh, most of these stores are owned by citizens of Toronto, and they typically invest their money back into the community in one way or another. Right. As you know, um, Startup Canada serves all of Canada, and there are mm -hmm. probably a few listeners here who are saying, oh, enough about Toronto, enough about Steeles Avenue. Um, <laughs> when it, what can you do for me? Um, and and 
obviously, you know, you're a startup and <laughs> it's important to focus at first. But right. do you think do you think that either you are in a position at some point through Fitted Fast to expand to serve more communities beyond the Toronto area, or do you think this is a model you'd like to see other people try to replicate in other places? I uh, definitely Fitted Fast wants to go, you know, nationwide. Fitted Fast, you know, Toronto is just our, our, our starting spot, our you know, our beginner. But definitely, we'd love to expand to you know areas like. Vancouver and Prince Edward Island, there's localness everywhere, right? Localness does not just exist in Toronto. Localness exists where you are. So anywhere you can find a person, there's something that's there that could be, you know, that could be bought for, for as a local product. So we definitely want to expand to areas that are, you know, greater than, you know, Ontario and, you know, one day even greater than Canada, because there's a lot of small businesses that need to be taken care of. And Amazon is just really just tearing us a new one. So we got to take our power back and definitely expanding and scaling is, is, is going to do that for businesses, for small businesses. And what kind of work have you done to figure out what it would take to be able to expand um, to do, you know, multiple communities across Canada? Is it just a matter of capital? I think, I, I think it would, I think it would be that because honestly, the model like Fitted Fast, it could be replicated in literally anywhere, right? You need a website and you need your stores and you need your customers. So it's, it's, it's a matter of just setting up shop and setting up shop in that area um, and, and starting. So it's, it's something that I think, even capital, if capital wasn't in abundance as it could be, that you can easily, you know, get someone that's over and that ends and, and start something new and start something new there and create that kind of delivery and local experience that a lot of people are looking for. Have you had any experience with Toronto's friendly, world-class financial community? I have not. I have not. What's that all about? <laughs> no, <laughs> I was only being slightly sarcastic there. I was just oh. wondering whether you'd, you'd found any... Uh, any angels or investors who are interested oh. in, uh, in, in, in supporting you? Oh, okay. No, that totally went over my head, Sorry. <laughs> but no, no, no problem. No problem at all. Um, no, at this point right now, uh, we haven't been looking too deeply in investments. We've been really bootstrapping this thing from the ground up. Uh, we definitely want to keep as much, um, hold on it as possible for as long as possible, just so we can, uh, make sure we're, we're maximizing as, as maximizing the, um, the vision that, it, that Fitted Fast started with before we start getting other hands involved. Uh, so I, I definitely, down the line for sure, I think investments are a great resource for entrepreneurs. Uh, but right now we're bootstrapping it. We're loving bootstrapping it. So at this point, we, we're, we're okay where we're at we're, by just keeping the team as it is and keeping the, you know, the function how it is. <laughs> At some point soon, we will be living in a COVID world, fingers crossed. And I'm just wondering uh, where you're going to be. What, what what will Fitted Fast look like in a post-COVID world? Because you've kind of been leveraging that need uh, to, to, to serve uh, smaller retailers, community businesses that are have been in lockdown or people who are afraid to go out. And so what does, uh, what does the world look like uh, once those fears have melted mostly away? Hmm. 
Uh, so I've, I definitely think that we have created, uh, I, I think this is a time where we are creating new habits. And like I said, like the pandemic has kind of like wiped the slate, slate clean for us in a sense, whereby everything that we thought was going to happen is basically in some gray area, like type limbo zone. So it's why the government keeps extending the lockdown orders and why there hasn't been a concrete plan developed. Um, you know, the smartest planner on this case right now and people, the smartest people are on this uh, case right now, but still we don't know uh, what the heck is going to happen with COVID in six months, a year from now. So this, like I said, this is a time where people are creating new habits. Uh, people's minds are extremely susceptible to change. So when we introduce something like Fitted Fast that's providing people uh, a new convenience, we get used to these conveniences. We don't want to give them up even when, you know, walking in stores back in style and, and so on and so forth. So despite the fact, you know, even if a vaccine comes out, how many times have you heard someone say, oh, I'm not going to take the vaccine? So there's still a lot of people that are apprehensive about going in store and, you know, they'll already be accustomed to the convenience of getting things delivered and staying home and, uh, you know, just being lazy. We love, we're, we're humans. We love being lazy. We love things being done for us and being, being brought to us in the shortest, uh, this least amount of effort possible. So I think this is one of those things that people will adopt and, and, and take on going forward. I got to ask you though, I mean, when I go out to the store, mm -hmm. I usually end up you know, my eye is caught by something that I didn't know was going to be there. And I often walk out of that store uh, with more than I intended to buy. Right. How does, is is that a phenomenon that, uh, that, that your clients should worry about? That they don't, that if someone just orders something in particular, then where's that ancillary sale? Where are the accessories? How, mm -hmm. how, can, how can we upsell someone online? Right. No, I, I definitely get I, I definitely get where you're coming from. But one thing about uh, online shopping is that literally everything is in your face. You can scroll for years like you can you can literally go on forever. I log on to Amazon and I buy one useless item that I probably will never use. But I bought it because I know it's going to come in two days. So uh, in store, it's one of those things where at one point you're going to have to go home. One point they're going to close the lights and, you know, it's time for you to leave. And that's where your experience ends. But when you're online, your experience is almost eternal. You can literally stay up all night shopping, literally just adding to your cart, checking out, adding to your cart, checking out. It's literally you could do it all day if you wanted. So shopping online provides that, um, you know, those options. It provides products to you that, you know, maybe you wouldn't have seen before. Like you said, you walk by a store and you're like, oh, this is cool. I'm going to go in there. But when you're online, not only are you in that one store, you can jump to the next store in two seconds. You know, you don't got to walk to the next store. The next store is right in front of you. It's right in your face. It's right down the list. Right. So it actually provides people. It actually encourages people to shop more in a way because now, you know, you're not inhibited by, you know, closing hours and opening hours and walking and getting out of bed. <laughs> Those kind of things. <laughs> Oh, that, 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 that's a really great answer. There, there's some some really cool synergies there. Do you have any plans to try and do more? Like, I don't know, little pop-ups? Could you say, while you're in the neighborhood, why not check the candle store down the street? I mean, can you do get away with a little of that before it annoys consumers? Um, I'm not quite sure. I think... Honestly, that one, I'm not quite sure. I haven't explored it, so I wouldn't be able to say either way um, or. But I think customers would still love to know the kind of brick and mortars that are in their community. It's not like brick and mortars have disappeared forever. So definitely, um, you know, down the line, maybe that's something we can include because people do enjoy walking in stores. So maybe we can have pickup from location type things. Uh, so 
people are open still to, you know, don't get me wrong, people are still very open to shopping in store. It's just that, you know, now the convenience is online, that's what people are going to do. And they don't want to really be seeing too much of in store if they're, you know, trying to find something online. That's right. what I would think anyway. <laughs> Sounds like it's worth uh, some creative testing, though. So, Absolutely, I mean, definitely. And, and to me, that's the, 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 the hallmark of entrepreneurship, right? The, uh, let's see what we can get away with here in in order not not just to upsell but to help everyone benefit by seeing hey what other connections can we make for you uh, that's right so i so I, I i think that's an important thing um you mentioned early on uh about uh, staying true to your vision and you had this unique uh thing that you said that a lot of us tend to get stopped just three feet short of our goal. So mm -hmm. I'm wondering if there were any moments with, with, with Fitted Fast where you were close to quitting and said, no, I got to keep on going. I can see the goal from here. Absolutely. So that was actually kind of when the pandemic was kind of starting. So um, in the beginning, I, I knew I had to introduce myself to local businesses here in the city. And what way best to do that than literally just going to these stores and walking in and seeing if you talk, you talk to an employee um, and, and talk to a manager even and get yourself acquainted with the people that are in your community. So in Fitted Fat, when, sorry, not Fitted Fat, when pan the pandemic came around, it was very difficult to do this because now, you know, walking in store was was not an option anymore. So I was like, holy crap, how am I going to, you know, reach these people? These people probably aren't even looking to join any kind of platform. They're just, everybody's trying to, you know, dig themselves out of their own hole. Who's going to listen, right? So you get into this frame, like, who's now going to listen to you? Everybody's in a crisis type thing. So at that point, I knew I had to pivot my approach and kind of, you know, frame a new kind of way I can uh, attack so to speak. So I came up with, that's when I came up with the Teal Local blog. So instead of, you know, reaching out and um, like calling cold calling or cold emailing, I would email and ask them to, you know, if they would like to interview for one of our articles on Teal Local. So I'd get them to speak about themselves first. So that's way, that's how I kind of got my foot in with the businesses, got them kind of acquainted with me in an, in a, in a, in a pandemic type setting, whereas usually I'd be in store and I'd be talking in that way. But now that since things are online, I had to find a new approach to reach these people online and, and to approach them in a way that was meaningful to them and meaningful to where they were at. So, yeah. Right. And tell me, no, no entrepreneur succeeds alone. Tell me some of the uh, people, mentors, organizations, mm. accelerators who helped who is helping you along the way. Yeah, so I'm part of uh, two incubators right now. So I'm part of the University of Toronto, the hub uh, entrepreneurship um, uh, program. So they've been extremely helpful. Uh, back in November, uh, Fit Fast actually won a pitch competition for with a with a prize of two grants. So that was extremely helpful in our, you know, getting the small little costs that add up every single day when you when you have a startup. That was extremely, I was extremely grateful for that. And I was super excited. Uh, and we also are part of the Ryerson, um, the Ryerson, the fashion zone. So the right. fashion zone is the first one I joined. Um, they are, they've been absolutely amazing. The, the mentors, it's just, it's top notch, really. Like a lot of the resources that I've, you know, been connected with and, you know, the people that are available to you is, is a limitless resource of ex exceptional knowledge. So uh, incubators and accelerators, they're very good for startups. And I really encourage uh, entrepreneurs to take advantage of those in, uh, in your community. So my mind is boggled. You can belong to more than one of them at a time. 
Yeah, yeah, actually you can. Uh, since especially right now, since COVID is kind of like, you know, keeping us at home, it's it's very easy to log on to the different Zooms at different times. So you're not really stretching yourself, uh, you know, you're running from this incubator to that incubator and this meeting. So everything is at home. So it kind of makes it more manageable. I don't know if I'd be able to do it if if it was not during uh, the pandemic. So uh, very happy about that, that I can kind of dip my feet in both. <laughs> Right. Do a little PSA for me for the Ryerson Fashion Zone. What, 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 uh, what's their, what's their gig? I don't know much about it. I knew it existed, but I don't know much about it. Um, What's their gig and, and what's one way they've really helped you? Uh, yeah, so the the fashion zone is uh, it's 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 an, it's an incubator and it also has an accelerator program to it as well, where um it's essentially it's it's fashion rooted. So everybody on board in the incubator is 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 involved in the fashion industry in some way. So we have really cool brands like Brave Souls, so that um, this this company actually takes recycled materials and creates them into sho- uh, shoes. So recycled uh, tires rather and makes them into shoes. So. Uh, it's a it's a center where fashion-based tech or fashion-based um, you know companies uh, can all come together and pool our resources together in the same kind of industry and you know excel and then succeed. So uh, the fa- uh, the fashion zone has helped me a lot with pitch preparing. Um, I've had a lot of uh, great media training. The mentors there. They're great. So uh, media training and pitch is probably one of the, the, the biggest things that uh, Ryerson is, uh, I've been involved with a lot with Ryerson. Um, so that has been great. And that's that helped me with my, my pitch competition uh, later on with the hub. So that was great. Right. Now, I understand that. So, so you've been getting some mentorship along the way, but you're also mm-hmm. you've also gotten yourself involved with Startup Canada's Startup Women Mentorship Program as a mentor in sort of supply chain and logistics, which sounds about right. Can you speak a little bit about the uh, benefits of mentoring, both as mentor and mentee or protege? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, mentorship is probably the most important resource that an entrepreneur can have. So being a mentor to young women is probably the most fulfilling thing ever because I remember when I was starting off and everything just seemed so much bigger than myself. So when you have a support system, when you have uh, the opportunity to ask questions and be frank with someone, it really makes you feel more secure in what you're doing and what you're trying to achieve. I think one of the things a lot of us women uh, suffer with is asking for help. So we feel as if we have to carry everything on our shoulders and be perfect in every single kind of way. Uh, we're, we're often afraid of being wrong, right? So a book that I read called The uh, Confidence Code by Caddy K, I think Claire Shipman, uh, which is a great recommendation for all ladies to get, <laughs> talks about how a lot of the time us women sabotage ourselves by simply feeling as if asking for help or direction in something is like a burden to other people, right? But in fact, asking for help and admitting that you don't have all the answers actually shows a great amount of integrity and confidence. I thought that was a mark of the male mitochondria, that uh, it was, I thought it was men who would never stop and ask for directions. It is, but women where we have the fear of looking, of just imposing. Women, we don't want to impose. We want to take the least amount of space. So men might not ask, you know, for confidence and egotistical reasons, maybe we'll say, we'll put it lightly. <laughs> but uh, women won't ask the fear of, you know, um, inconveniencing the other person. So that's where our thought comes from, is inconvenience. We don't want to impose kind of thing. So... Um, but I think a very famous quote says, you know, the man that knows something or the woman that knows something knows that they don't know anything at all. So uh, mentorship and creating networks of people who know more than you is how you grow not only your business, but yourself as a young woman. 
Right. You said something that, 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 that you put something in a new way for me right there, where you said that women don't want to ask. They want to take up the least amount of space possible, That's right. I think is what mm -hmm. you said. Um, yeah. Tell me a little bit more about that, because that, that sounds like um, that could be a problem for an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm, definitely. So um, a lot of uh, just going back to that, I think a, a lot of us women were also deterred from entering entrepreneurship or even tech or science industries because uh, we feel like, you know, we have to take on this new masculine or serious persona in order to, you know, to be taken seriously by others. Uh, I don't know if you can remember the whole Elizabeth Holmes debacle with the, you know, Theranos and her whole thing. Um, and she, the, Elizabeth Holmes was, um, I, anyway. I, I remember her. I'm not sure she's yes. a good example. <laughs> no, she's not. I, I say this to make a point. Uh, she literally tried to morph into a woman Steve Jobs. And, you know, she would have gone away with it if it weren't for those <laughs> meddling whistleblowers. Uh, but <laughs> many of us young uh, ladies feel as if, you know, we have to play some sort of role or become someone that uh, we're not to succeed, you know. We're afraid of embracing our femininity and emb embracing our womanhood in fear of not being taken seriously. So I think, uh, you know, we should value femininity and leadership. And also we should do away with terms like boss babe and fem fempreneur or lady boss, uh, because it kind of creates the idea that it's like unlike the ordinary, like, uh, for example, that being a boss is something that's inherently masculine, um, you know, that it needs a qualifier in front of it to be valid when referring to a woman. So it's, it's misogynistic at worst, and at best, it pushes the you know the idea that only the most exceptional women uh, can have a chance at success. success. Um, and and even when a woman does succeed, you're still set apart from all the others, uh, you know, so-called winners by emphasizing your gender and not your talents. So, have you ever studied anything about body language? I mean, thinking about the the power pose, you know, the mm -hmm. Wonder Woman hands on hip pose and everything yeah. that people are saying, you know, this is how you overcome some of these things. And and body language can be a root to that, which is actually physically taking up more space. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it, so that the, 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 that there's that this link between space and confidence and right. body language that 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 that, that I love. Absolutely. Yeah. Taking up space is, is huge. Like, let your voice be heard. You, you deserve to be just like everybody else. You deserve to be heard. You deserve to have a platform. And really, the platform is there if you just want to reach for it and grab for it. Right. If you want to if you want to take it, you take it. Right. So take it when you can. And, you know, the world is yours so long as you want it to be. Excellent. That's a, that, that, that's, that's fantastic. Um, one of the things I found in being a mentor as, as I've done a bit of that myself, is that it teaches you so much because it forces you, it puts you in a new role and suddenly you have to have some answers. You don't have to have the answers, but you know you have to be able to help provide some guidance and focus. And it, and it really helps um, me to be forced to think these, through, these things through under pressure. And sometimes I actually get some good ideas. Uh, have you had that experience yet? Um, definitely. Like I'm, I'm, I'm a very young woman. I'm, tw I'm 21 years old, t turning 22 this year. So I don't, I definitely don't have all the answers. And, you know, when, you know, I'm, I'm speaking to a young lady, let's say in my, um, you know, mentorship, I'm speaking to a young lady. I let her know like, Hey, it's okay. Um, if you don't have all the answers and it's okay if I don't have all the answers, but just the fact that you're willing to, um, you know, speak what you're feeling out loud and, you, and and someone can empower it for you and someone can be like, hey, you know what, I hear you, I, I see where you're going, you know, this is blah, 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 this is where I think you should go from here or not even that, just guiding them to finding their own kind of answers 
is is probably the, the best way to go about it by not telling someone what they should do, but kind of guiding them to, you know, a place where I, they might be comfortable in, in figuring it out for themselves. Because at the end of the day, we all make our own decisions, but we all just need a little bit of guidance through it. As someone who's actually in the community-empowered space, what do you think Canada's entrepreneurship community needs to be focusing on in order to build that more gender-balanced world that we'd like to see to accelerate gender parity and, and really unleash the economic potential of women? What can the ecosystem do to change um, I think that's it's definitely a good question. Uh, there's a lot there's a lot of things that could be changed, but I think it all starts at, you know, the things that we value. So if we don't value, you know, like I said earlier in the podcast, we don't value the things of, you know, the feminine, you know, femininity in the in the workplace. If we don't value, you know, a woman's presence in the workplace, and these things aren't going to be advanced. We can say, you know, we want women entrepreneurs, we want, you know, all this, all that, but if at the root of it, it's in if it's something that you you know, you don't respect in general, then we're not going to be, you know, it's, it's, it's shots in the dark. We're not moving towards something in good faith. We're moving towards something just to make it look like, oh, okay, we're doing something in the field to help women. So really valuing what women bring to the table and, and, and also pushing women to go to fields that, you know, maybe aren't as populated with, you know, us ladies, you know, like uh, science and tech and, you know, things that, you know, a lot of us are, are pushed to, to move away from. So pushing ladies and, and, and instilling confidence in them and, and empowering them to choose the things that they're passionate about and not choose things that they feel, you know, best, you know, best represents, um, you know, what the world expects them to be. So just doing what you're passionate about, pushing ladies to try, to try new things and not putting us in a box. So that's that's one of the, the biggest things I, th I think will be, you know, helpful in moving towards that. Right. Katora, you speak with such confidence yourself. I mean, is that something you learned to do or have you always had that? Definitely something I learned. Um, a lot of, I think a lot, a lot of it I've learned from my um, mom and my upbringing. Um, like I said, um, you know, we're immigrants from Kenya. We moved here in 2003. So when you're kind of in a new place and, um, you know, in a new country, you got to just grab the bull by the horns. And I saw my parents do that. So you got to be confident in what you're saying. You got to you know, even if what you, even if you don't know exactly what you're saying, be confident in it, and that's what people will 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 receive from you. So, um, definitely something I've learned along the way. I wasn't, you know, born with it. I don't think any of us were were born with something. A lot of our talents they're acquired through life, and they're acquired through experiences. You know, and reading and being open to new knowledge and new perspectives. Fantastic. Okay, Katora, we've covered a lot of ground today. I love what you had to say about, uh, you know, keeping going and not stopping the <laughs> before mm -hmm. you get over that goal line. And, That's right. And the gift of fear is is is, is a mind blowing concept, and I'm going to look forward to digging out the book on that. Um, uh, we talked about so many things in terms of. Uh, pivoting and serving the community and finding new ways to to, 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 to create value for our customers and our suppliers. So uh, congrats on what you've uh, done so far with Fitted Fast, and I'm going to be really interested to watch your journey going forward. Just before we fade out, do you have one more piece of actual, actionable advice that you'd like to offer our entrepreneurial listeners? 
Absolutely. Uh, so I think that would be is use the 10x rule. So that's another great book. I'm plugging so many books. <laughs> uh, that's by Grant Cardone. So, so it talks about taking all of your goals and multiplying them by 10. So uh, that's the kind of um, power you need to operate uh, with to gain success. If your goal is to be evaluated at 100 million one day, make it 1 billion, right? So perhaps you'll fall just below, you know, 1 billion and you'll be at 900. But who's complaining at that point, right? So uh, the point is to always make your, uh, make sure you're stretching yourself and to stretch for something greater than you um, and, and greater than what you think you're able, able to do and what you're capable of. That's where your goals should be. Wow, that's uh, that's breathtaking. Another book I'm going to have to take a look at. Excellent. Katoro <laughs> Asinde of uh, Fitted Fast, founder and CEO of Fitted Fast in Toronto. That's at uh, fittedfast.com. Um, yes. Check it out. Buy locally if you can in Toronto and buy locally wherever you are because uh, it's so important to keep that money and that creativity and that spirit alive Absolutely. in all of our communities. All right. Thanks so much, Kator, and we will uh, definitely be talking again. Thank you so much for having me today, Rick. Thank you so much. And thank you for joining us in the Startup Canada podcast today. And thank you for choosing to challenge the status quo to help build a more gender-balanced world and release the full potential of women entrepreneurs. For more information on Startup Canada's Startup Women programming or to get involved, go to www.startupcanada forward slash women. Thank you for joining us this week in the Startup Canada podcast, a weekly show dedicated to unlocking the potential of every entrepreneur. Stay tuned another minute to hear the latest startup community news and the upcoming events lineup, including our hashtag Startup Chats on Twitter every Wednesday and Friday at 12 noon Eastern time. I sometimes show up there too. Until next week, I'm your Startup Canada podcast host, Rick Spence.